Well, here we go. Um, um, last week we talked about the bees, the killer bees, you know, bounty, beauty, benevolence, and boundaries. Um, we're working through Psalm 119, and so if you have your Bible with you, you want to open to Psalm 119, we can get started with that. Um, you know, the whole point of why we're, we're doing this was really we want to get to a point that our lives are really enviable. That people look at us and say, man, you've got a great life. Not because necessarily of the, the things we have, but I think, and we'll talk a little bit today about peace and contentment that we have, that people can look at us and say, wow, how can you get through this without freaking out and being in such a crisis situation? And so, um, so anyways, and when we talked about, then two weeks ago, we talked about keeping our way pure. And then last week, we talked about the killer bees, bounty, beauty, boundaries, and benevolence. Um, how many of you guys have ever had a burning desire to do something? Anybody have any burning desire to do anything? Oh, come on. <laughs> All right, something. Does anybody want to share? Amy, do you want to share maybe a burning desire you had? Oh, man. <laughs> you don't have to. Anybody? I got two. Actually, I was like, should I just Maybe week two. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but um, I tell you, I, I mean, I've been a, a nurse for seven years, but... Um, one of my deepest desires I've had since college is to be a full-time missionary. Wow, yeah. And so um, in the last year, and it was one of those things I was like, oh, that's going to happen one of these days. I'm right. kind of going to finish it. Right, I sure. I be married or I have to, whatever it is. And in the last year, just in the process of him doing so much in my heart and so many things, I just felt the urgency of, no, this is now. Let's, wow. Like, talk to someone at the church now and start working on the Wow. So... Once that started happening, it was just like this, you know, process, you know how God is. It's just yeah. like, oh, it'll be about a year from maybe to end it. And y'all, it could be January. For real. Like Amy. Something wow. Came up this week. Wow. And it was like, come in January. And I was like, what? Wow. So I was sitting at work like, oh my gosh. So, so you know, I'm just praying yeah. and asking the yeah. Lord to reveal his will and make things known and trust him. That's but, exciting. Yeah, so it's exciting. It's yeah. exciting. That's and, awesome. You know, if he wants to use the nursing, he can use the nursing. If not, he might use the nursing. Man, <laughs> that's good. Awesome. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, my two examples of burning desires that I've had um, aren't quite so spiritual. But, um, uh, and Vicki, we close the door because I know that I get loud. Um, I remember it was age 11. Who remembers the 19th? I mean, Amy, I don't think it was even born, but the 1976 Olympics, you know, Mark Spitt won all those um, medals. Do you remember? I mean, I think it was seven. Is that how many he won? And, yeah. And, um, and so I wanted to be an Olympic swimmer. And we had a pool in the backyard, and I went out there, and I slammed probably two laps. I mean, you know, I mean, that was it. I mean, I, it was too, way too much work. I remember that. And I remember when I was 18, and it just, you know, it just, I just quit doing it. I quit following desires. And then when I was 18, um, I was in uh, college, had gone through sorority rush, and I wanted to be a Kayo. I mean, that's what I wanted to be, a Kayo. And it didn't happen. They didn't want me, you know. But then God worked it all out, you know, and I ended up being an 80 pie, which is a whole other different story, and loved it. I mean, loved the Greek life. But I just remember that burning desire and that crushing defeat when that desire wasn't fulfilled. Um, I think that um, as we look at Psalm 119, verses 25 through 32, we're going to look at some desires that we have in our lives that, um, that we can be f- 
that can be filled. And I think it really applies to us being a foresighted person. And so we're going to talk about that first. Let me read Psalm 119, 25 through 32. And then we will go from there. My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. When I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I cling to your testimonies, O Lord. Let me not be put to shame. I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Number one, there's a huge desire to live. Just to live. A huge desire to live. Verse 25, my soul clings to the death. Give me life according to your word. And that, the commentaries say that can be both the spiritual life as well as the physical life as David is just struggling. And he's cried out for his physical life to be saved. He also cried out for his spiritual life to be saved. So it's, but I want to focus really on the physical side of that because it's our body. That's the next blank over there. Our body. Do you guys remember... Um, his name was Aaron Ralston, and um, in May of 2003, he was on a hiking trip. And let me read his story. With no water and his little hope of survival, Aspen Mountaineer Aaron Ralston, 27, used a pocket knife to amputate his own arm and free himself from a boulder weighing 800 to 1,000 pounds that fell and trapped him for five days in a remote desert canyon in eastern Utah. Pinned in a three-foot-wide slot, which that would freak me out anyways. I mean, and that's this. I mean, three-foot-wide slot canyon near the Maze District of Canyonlands National Park south of Moab, Utah. Ralston cut through his own arm below the elbow Thursday morning, applying a tourniquet and administering first aid before rigging anchors and fixing a rope to rappel to the bottom of the Blue John Canyon and hiking out to meet rescuers. Ralston had been hiking alone when the boulder fell and pinned his right arm as he was moving through the narrow slot last Saturday afternoon. So it's, now it's Thursday. This happened last Saturday afternoon. Ralston told rescuers that on Thursday morning he realized he would not survive unless he took drastic actions. He had run out of water on Tuesday. The episode marked Ralston's second breast with death since February when he was buried in an avalanche by backcountry... <laughs> I mean, this is like a joke. This is like, here's the punchline. Backcountry skiing in Colorado Rockies. Ralston, obviously an avid outdoorsman who has climbed 49 of Colorado's 14,000-foot-plus mountains, was buried up to his neck in an avalanche, managing to dig himself out along with a completely buried skiing companion within 15 minutes. I mean, so, I mean, the will and the desire to live, our physical bodies, we fight against it. Amy, I'm sure you've seen just working in the medical field and have seen people just fight for that last bit of it. You know, some of us have been beside family members who, who were dying. And you could just see that they were just fighting, just clinging on to life as long as possible. And their bodies fight against it. You know, it's, um, a drowning is a perfect example. I mean, you know, because it, we, our bodies will fight against that, you know, and it'll wake us up, you know, because our bodies will automatically, you know, it's like we can't strangle ourselves. You know, we'll pass out before we're able to do it. I mean, just our bodies struggle because our, our physical bodies want to live. And we hear stories of, you know, newborn babies that are 20, 23, 24 weeks along, premature babies that have only been in gestation, and they fight for life, and they're fighters. That's what they would say, right? She's a fighter. What are they fighting for? Life. And that's a huge desire within us to fight for life. And I think that it, it, it is, it's so important for our physical bodies to be well-balanced and that we have healthy bodies as much as possible. Um, 
a friend of mine, it seems like we're kind of on a cancer theme here, but a friend of mine's mother is, um, she's dying of cancer. Hospice has come in now um, four days a week, and she has lung cancer. Never, she was never a smoker. I mean, it just, and um, it just, that's where it manifested. And it was diagnosed last August, and it was, it was um, uh, restricted. That's not the right, it was only in her lung, is what I'm saying. It wasn't any part of her body. It was only in her lung, but it was an aggressive, very aggressive type of cancer, and the doctor said, the only thing we can do is remove your lung. That's the only, that's the only procedure really you can have. There's not radiation, the chemo, not, we have to remove your lung for this to be done. And he said, Miss Hensley, can you walk a mile? And Vicki's mom is in her 70s, and, and she said, I used to could walk a mile, but I'll go home right now and I'll start walking, and I can get up to walking a mile. And, um, and the doctor said, Miss Hensley, there's not time for you to get in shape to get healthy. Um, you need, we need to do it now. And um, she wasn't in shape. Because we always think, we've got time, we've got time, we've got time. Well, you know what? You know, when you're dead, you got all the time in the world kind of thing. And so she um, did not have the surgery because she couldn't survive the surgery, and it spread to her pancreas, and it's in her brain, and it's all over her body and now. And, and she's slowly dying. And it just is... Um, our fight for life and having our bodies, it's so, our bodies do matter. The temple of the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. We need a good place for the, you know, the body to dwell. And as many of you know my story five years ago when I said, Lord, is this the, you know, gluttony? Is this the only sin you can't deliver me from? And he said, you know, well, Becky, do you want to be skinny because you want to be cute? Or do you want to be skinny because the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And I really struggled. That was really the truth. And the Lord's like, I'm not going to honor her just because you want to be cute. You know? And so when I started realizing my body is worthy, of my, the, the Holy Spirit's worthy of a good temple to dwell in, um, it helped me lose my weight. So body. Body is so important. Our physical life is a desire to live. Number two, and it comes from verse 27, but a desire to live purpose, purposefully. A, de a desire to live purposefully. Purpose, with a purpose. And I think that really is a word, purposefully. Um, and uh, it says in 27, make me understand the way of your precepts, and I will meditate on your wondrous works. Make me understand. At Lifehouse, um, which is a maternity home I ran for a while, one of the biggest things we did was teach the girls, teaching was, was we taught the girls life skills. And, and there was everything from time management to, um, you know, uh, um, I can't think of any other, oh, uh, um, submission to authority, um, why can't I, I mean, there's one that I really wanted to, how to follow instructions. That was a big one that I really want to talk about. It. And each one of those life skills, we always gave a rationale. And it had to apply to the girl, and it had to be um, something that would be meaningful to them. And um, so I couldn't necessarily say, you know, well, <laughs> I really want you, it's important for you to follow instructions and do what you're asked of me so that my life will be better. I mean, that is not going to motivate them. But it, for them, it had to be. And so you would say, you know, hey, fantastic job coming out on time. Um, you know, you said to be out here at 8, at 7.59. And it's really important. Here's the rationale. It's really important to be on time because when you're um, needing to catch the bus and drop your child at daycare, um, you need to plan your time accordingly so you don't miss the bus and so you're not late for work. That applies to them. Rationale. And that really is our mind. It really goes down to our mind. Why do we do what we do? And... Um, and we want to know why. And that's, you have to know the Word of God to know why God asks us to do things. And we don't always get an answer to why. We really don't always get the answer to why. But many times we have to do it. And if the, the, the answer might be because he told me so. I mean, how many, had their, how many 
have had their mom say to them, because I told you so. And now that we're down the road a little bit, it's like, she was right, you know? I still don't necessarily know why, but she was right. That it, those are all good things that I need to do and, and why I need to do those things. So when we deal with our mind, it's important that we know the rationale behind it. You know, Rick Warren sold 25 million books called The Purpose Driven Life because people want to live with purpose and meaning. And what we do for purpose and meaning is just absolutely, we have a goal out there that we're shooting for, we're striving for. We're going to go for it because we've got our mind is set and we're moving forward in that. The challenge for so many of us is that if those goals are not sustainable, then we don't keep on, keep it on. We do it for a season. You know, it happens for, you know, we can talk about the biggest loser. You know, people lost a ton of weight and many of them gained it back because it was over, you know. I mean, so are we study hard, study hard, study hard to get, out, to get through school and then we quit studying. We don't keep renewing our mind. And I think it's important for us to have a purpose in our mind that drives us to understand what it is. So mine would be that blank that would come next to living purposely. Living purposely. Number three, the third point here, is we have a strong desire, I believe, to live strongly. To live strongly. And that really is dealing with our soul. Verse 28 says, My soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Strengthen me according to your word. You know, our, our, our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And um, I think this really hits on our emotions. And our emotions need to be strong. You know, I think that it's so, and there's no way to have our emotions strong unless it's your foundation is strong. Because they're going to be like shifting sand. You know, if my emotions are dependent upon the people that are around me, do they like me or not like me, I've been there, done that, then I'm going to be like this. Sometimes I'm going to be up, and some mornings I'm going to be down. You know, if it's dependent upon the weather, and it really does affect us. I mean, huge, big time. You know, I when I lived overseas, and I've got friends who live in Canada, and even when I was in Michigan, you know, those long days in the summer, life is great. You know, about February when you've got about, you know, eight hours of light. You know, it really messes up your emotions. And, and if you don't, if your foundation is something like that, and that's where your foundations come from, your emotions are going to be all over the place, and you're not going to be able to be strong. And that's so important for us. Because how do we, I mean, what impresses us so much about people when they go through difficult situations? What do we say? Man, she's just so strong in that. You know, and that's what we're talking. She's strong in her peace. She's strong in her contentment. She's strong in her faith whatever the emotion that's going through that. And, and what do we say to the person, the grieving widow, which is an awful thing to say, but we say to them, you've got to be strong for the kids. You know, be strong for your mom. You know? And so sometimes it's okay to not be strong. But let's go back to what our, what our purpose is and our emotions on those kind of things and get our foundation established back underneath us. Um, this, co- conference, this conference I went to this past week, the, the, the speaker, the leader of the conference was Carol Kent. And Carol Kent wrote a book, has written a bunch of books, but one of the books she wrote is I Lay My Isaac Down. And um, Carol Kent's perfect son, who was on track to be a Navy SEAL, and, um, or he went to the Navy Academy, he was one, he was toward the end of becoming a SEAL, but he didn't make it. But, I mean, he was just awesome. Straight-A student, president of the Honor Society in high school, had just married this um, precious girl who had um, two daughters from a former marriage. Um, his name is Jason, and Jason made the decision um, to murder her, his wife's ex-husband because of some visitation issues that he was going to, he wanted unsupervised visitation with the girls and he had, had molested the girls in the past, or it was believed he had molested her. So Carol wrote a book about that and is still writing a book because he is in Hardy Correctional Institute and um, outside of Lakeland 
uh, Florida and um, serving a life sentence with no uh, no uh, opportunity for parole. And um, and Carol, her foundation was shook um, emotionally because you know God, how can you do this to me? How can you do this? And to work th walk through that process. But now you look back at her and she sees the strength in it. I mean, she sees, she knows that God has a plan and a purpose for this. And then even Jason, he's in the middle of this correctional institute, ministering and is a missionary in the Hardy Correctional Institute. And, I mean, the, the impact that they have had um, in that institution has been amazing. And, and that he understands, he's back there at a point too, he's got purpose, he's got meaning. And we need to understand if there's anything in our life that we're holding up as our foundation emotionally other than God and under the solid word of God, we need to lay it down. Just like Isaac was laid down, I mean, just like Carol was talking about in Isaac and Abraham, you know, we got to lay that down. Our hope and security is not built in what we, in this. It's got to be built on Christ. And if we're struggling, if we're weak on our emotions, I can tell you, we need, we're wandering away from the word. We're not solid on the word, and we need to find a word that would give to us and say, hey, and that's, you know me, I always, everything's in here. You know, you, if you're in a situation, you're in a struggle, you're in a crisis, happy, sad, lonely, bored, whatever, there's a word that we can grab a hold of and, and hang our hat on and to get strong and walk through that and, and, and believe it. And then we've got to believe it, which is a whole other lesson for another time. So we have a huge desire to live strongly. And we see that our, emotionally, we will feel like we're melting sometimes. We will feel like we're melting. And Jesus, was, Jesus did. Jesus melted. You think about him in the Garden of Eden. I mean, sweating blood. He was so wrought up and anxious and all, all that being, no sin in that. I mean, he wasn't worrying. It just was, he knew what he was facing. And it was, and he just, but he cried out to the Lord. You know, if you can't take this cup away from me, take it away. But if not, your will be done. You know, and I think that sometimes in our lives, when we're facing difficult situations, we can cry out to the Lord and ask him that. When our soul is grieving being, and say, Lord, I don't want to walk through this difficult situation. I don't want to do this. I mean, just FYI, I don't want, but I will. If you want me to, I will do this, and you walk through them. Um, so that deals with our soul. So our body, our mind, our soul. Desire to live, desire to live purposely, desire to live strongly. And then the fourth one is the desire to live rightly. A desire to live rightly. Verse 30 says this. I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. And this is our spirit. This is really our spirit. I choose to live, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. I have chosen, and it's a choice. So often, I mean, it really is absolutely 100% free will. I was talking to um, uh, uh, my friend in Canada, and she, I don't know what prompted it, I guess she looked out the window and she saw the Canadian geese, and it was a late winter or early spring or whatever it was, and, and she said, isn't it amazing? The geese always come back just at, right, just at the right time. And, and I said, it's free will. They don't have any free will. You know, God says, get up, go. And so they get up and leave. I mean, they don't think about it. They don't, like, plan out irrigation. You, you, we'd be like, but this is not a good time to go, Lord. This is early. You know, I'm not packed yet. I don't have my stuff together. And we're, you know, we'll miss, you know, the Joneses from, you know, Milwaukee if we leave now because they always leave at a different time. It's, it's, it's that free will. And sometimes I really wish, I do wish, that he would have made us robots sometimes and just said, this is what you need to do. Boom, boom, boom. And we don't necessarily have this, you know, free will choice. But day in, day out, moment by moment, year, hour by hour, we have a choice. We're going to choose righteousness or we're going to choose um, unrighteousness. And, and I think most of us, if at 820 you're coming to a Sunday school class, we want to choose to live rightly. 
We want to choose to live rightly. And in that, we need to choose. And we set your, your rules before me. Okay, Lord, this is what's your rules. What's your understanding? How are you, how would, are you going to be mad or not mad at this? I was, uh, it was this, it's so funny. You know how God does. At this conference, I was with some other girlfriends, and we were staying at the hotel and trying to get my days right. Friday morning, um, somebody had to print some stuff out, and the business center's printer was messed up, so we had to, anyways. So we got delayed taking, leaving. And it wasn't because of me. And usually if it's not because of me and my time schedule's off, then I usually get upset, you know? And I didn't. I was so shocked. And it wasn't even that I, like, worked on it. I didn't even, like, think about it. I just sat down, and th- there was four of us, and two of them were trying to get their deal worked out. And I sat down on the sofa and started visiting with Marsha. And, and um, you know, and we left, and we went, you know, we weren't late or anything. We just weren't early. And, um, and um, But I was fine, and I realized it the next morning, Saturday morning, when I was doing my quiet time, I was kind of, you know, because I, like, I tell in my quiet time, I kind of tell the guy what happened all day yesterday, like he wasn't there. But... Um, <laughs> So I'm like going over this, and I'm was I was shocking. I was shocked that I, you know, that I had responded rightly. I had done it the right thing. But then um, uh, later that morning, we were running a little late, and I started to get anxious about it. And the Lord said, "I thought, you know." So, but anyways, we have a choice. We have a choice, and we can fake it till we make it. And I think we often will do that, and that is so okay, so okay. And then slowly, God will change us, and um, until we're totally what we want to be, and to walk in righteousness. Um, Deuteronomy 30:19. We've all heard it. I've, I've placed it for you. Life and death, blessings or curse. Which way will you walk? And that really is—it's—it's—it's it's, it's black and white. I mean, it's left or right. It's righteous or unrighteousness. It's joy or bless or, or defeat. It's blessings or it's curses. Which one would we want to walk? And I want to choose. I want blessings. I want favor. I want His abundancy. I want His righteousness. And when I say, and this is a, a big thing the Lord's really been teaching me, because, of course, I want it for everybody else, too. And I want it the way I think it should be for them, you know? And so I, I you know, and so I want to tell them how to fix it and how to make it right. And you see them making really unwise choices, and you just want to say, look, you're making the biggest, dumbest choices in your life. And, um, and I realize that it really has to get to the point where they're miserable. I can't convince them of that. All i got to say is, how's that working for you? How's that working for you living that life? How's that working for you weighing 500 pounds? How's that working for you having all your emotions totally based on what your friends think? How's that working for you just to wander through life paycheck to paycheck? How's that working for you? And you know what? If they've said, hey, it works for me, you know, we know in their heart of hearts it's not. And until they're willing to say, you know, it's really not working for me, then they are not ready. They aren't going to change. They aren't going to make any difference. You know, that doesn't mean we just, you know, turn them over to... To nothing, we continue to we continue to tell them live a life that's enviable. We continue to share with them, hey, really need things. If they seek our counsel, we're going to tell them. You know, sometimes we might tell them when they're not seeking our counsel, <laughs> but we've got to let them go until they choose because they're making a, a, a direct choice. You know, am I going to choose life? I'm going to choose death, and what I want to choose. And um, and that's hard to let them go, especially we as women. We want to control. We want to fix. We want to will manipulate is how I think instead of manipulate I think it should be a woman in front of that but you know we want to manipulate and make it right and because we love them so deeply you know we just don't want to go through any pain and a friend of mine's son um friend of mine her son was was getting on a plane to go to Chicago to visit her his father she was divorced and um this was 
Tom is 45, so this was 35 years ago. I mean, definitely different. They probably had a personal steward that went with them each time. You know, now they just kind of like get you to the gate kind of thing. Um, but anyways, uh, Carol was just praying, just, you know, don't let anything bad happen to him, and Lord, protect him, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And that all that wise moms would pray, I mean, that were good things, nothing wrong with any of those things. And the Lord spoke to our spirit, and he said, the very thing you want to protect him from is the very thing that I will use to change his life. And we have to trust God in the midst of those things. That doesn't mean, you know, bad things to happen. But Carol, Carol Kent will tell you, she was not as merciful and did not love like she should before her son went into Hardy Correctional Institute. Now, could God have changed her another way? Yeah, but that's, for her growth, that's what happened. She said, I do not, I do, you know, people would just weep at, a, at the drop of a hat and I would think she, you know, she needs to get it together. And, and, um, and Carol says, you know, now she cries all the time. You know, not at a drop of a hat maybe. You know, she's still a strong woman in that way. But, um, but she has a whole lot more mercy. Those very things that we just don't, we just are so afraid of happening are the very things that God's going to use to transform our lives and help us to choose righteousness and help us to choose righteousness. So, in closing, amazing, amazing verse, Luke 2.52. Um, it's not new. I didn't write it down, but Luke 2.52 Says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Um, you know, I understand God growing in stature. I mean, he was born a babe. I mean, he was this big. So how could he, you know, be the savior of the world and die on a cross when he was little? You know, so he had to grow physically. But isn't it amazing that Jesus, the perfect God-man, came to earth. He died on a cross for us and for you and for me. And before he died, he had to grow in wisdom. He grew in favor with God, so spiritually he grew, and he grew in favor with man emotionally. Um, he grew. His soul grew in relationship to those that are around him. So we, in the same way, if Jesus did it, Jesus was mindful of growing in those four areas. How much more mindful do we need to be, or do we need to be in growing in those areas? Some of us are, you know, uh, our statue needs to probably quit growing, um, but some of, you know, now that we're old enough and we're past that age, but, you know, I think that, you know, if it's like a... a Having it's your four tires on a on a car. I mean, who's had a flat tire ever? You know, and you're driving down, and you get a flat tire, and you lose kind of control. And who's a, I mean, you having it at a high spe- high speed? That's probably my. That's probably for sure. If I had many fears, that would probably be a fear of mine. Is driving, you know, 65, 70 miles an hour and have a huge blowout. I mean, and having to get the car under control and do that. Because if one tire is flat, if the other three are great, you're still not going to drive straight. You're still not going to drive straight. It's going to be so difficult. It's going to wear on the engine. You know what? And the other three tires, even if you're just low on one tire, the other three tires are going to get worn down faster, and that's important. Carol Lewis uh, with First Place for Health talks about and I've done it, been there, done that. Monday, Tuesday, I'm, you know, Monday morning I start my diet. I'm losing my weight. Monday comes, do good. Tuesday comes, do good. Wednesday is, you know, Papacitas, <laughs> buy one, get one free fajita kind of day or whatever, and so we blow it at lunch. I mean, eat two bags. Of, I mean, two baskets of chips. I had chips last night and cut the roof of my mouth on one of the chips. You know, and I'm thinking, is this your sign, Lord, that I shouldn't eat my chips? And no, it was not in Jesus' name. Um, just not so many of them. And um, but so what do we do? We blow it Wednesday at lunch, and instead of just getting back on track, um, getting back on track on, fr- on Wednesday evening, we just blow it until Monday. And this is what this is exactly. Go keeping with the tire analogy. It's like if we get a flat tire, we pull it on the side of the road, and we're like, ah, oh, man, it's a flat tire. And we take out a gun, and we shoot the other three. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. 
That's crazy. What we need to do is we need to make sure we have balance. And to kind of help you remember that, just let me tell you this quick illustration in closing. Um, a, a gentleman was driving um, along the road, and he was going past, happened to go past, um, you know, an, an insane asylum, okay? And, um, you know, six-foot fence, razors on the top, you know, building off in the back, sanatorium kind of thing, and people were milling around in the yard. And, and, um, and so, of course, big ravine between the road and, and, and the fence, and he gets a flat tire and has to pull over to the side of the road. And um, he gets over the side of the road and pulls over, and he, you know, pops the hubcap off, you know, undoes the lug nuts, loosens up the lug nut, and he jacks it up, loosens up the lug nuts, and puts them in the hubcat and sets the hubcat on the, um, on the side above the ravine. And um, goes and gets the spare, you know, takes that tire off, puts it in the truck, goes and gets the spare tire off, and goes to put that on there. And when he's putting the spare tire on there, and it's not a donut, it's a full-size tire, he's fighting with it, struggling with it, he puts the tire on there, his foot kicks the hubcap with the lug nuts in it, and they roll down to the bottom of this, you know, ravine in the water, you know, and this, it's gone. They're gone. The lug nuts are gone. And so he's got this, you know, he's like, what, you know, what am I going to do? Meanwhile, one of the friends from the sanatorium is looking through the fence, watching him do this. And so he gets the tire on, and he's just standing there thinking, I don't know what I do. And the guy in the Santa Psalm says, hey, dude. And the guy turns and looks at him and says, just take one lug nut from the other tires. And he said, wow, that's great. He said, I'm not stupid. I'm just crazy. You know? <laughs> But, you know, that's what we need to do in our lives sometimes. Sometimes when we're really weak in one area of our lives, body, mind, soul, and spirit, in one area of those lives, man, we need to go and we need to just take some from those other three areas. And what I mean by that is that um, we might spend a whole lot of time exercising, but maybe we need to take five minutes of that time away, 15 minutes of that time away, and just sit down and read a book, you know, to increase our mind. Or, hey, man, we spend a whole lot of time visiting on the phone, talking to our girlfriends, talking to our parents, talking to you know, our, our, our significant others, whatever. You know, hey, maybe we need to take some of that social time and apply it and take 15 minutes and really talk to God and, and spend time on our, in our quiet time and our spiritual time with them. You know, so we need to make sure to kind of bring that balance into our life that for a season, do we all four, all of them got four lug nuts, lug nuts and we're all clicking along on those. And so your homework for this week, um, besides the homework that, you know, that Vicki gave you, but I just wanted you to really encourage you to kind of set aside 30 minutes today, over this week. Um, and I think it's, time, it's good to just take that. You might be able to get it in five minutes, but go ahead and sit for 30 minutes. What the heck? I mean, we don't have 30 minutes just to sit and listen and hear what God says. Sit down, get a pen and paper down, and answer the question, I want to be or I want to do. Really desires, burning desires. You know, Amy's up against a deadline if it's January. I mean, there's some things that even between now and then, what do I want to do before? You know, I go, people I want to see, things I want to do. And then to really try and answer it from the four-sided pers- four person as discussed in, you know, Luke 2.52, to really apply it and take it home. Um, and then if you want to, be prepared to share it next week to, um, as we talk about how we can really make changes in our lives and go from there. So let me pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for these ladies. Thank you for their attentiveness, attentiveness and their, um, just their happy faces, Lord, that when I speak, Lord, I can, um, it blesses me to have them here. I pray that we would have just a tremendous week this week as we go into worship now, Father. Prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, um, prepare our ears to hear from you, Father God, and, and um, be transformed in the way that you would want us to be changed. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And my phone number and um, contact information is on the bottom. Um,